Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylights out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Cade Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Tonight, I'm joined by Karen, and Karen is a special returning guest to the podcast because if you are one of the lucky individuals who are a Believe Plus member or you watch our live shows as they are happening, uh, Karen actually called up to share her Yowie encounter, and she's come on to the main show to uh, elaborate on what happened. So, Karen, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Cade. Love your show, and thanks for letting me come on, on again. Uh, I'm so stoked that you decided to come back on because your encounter was incredible and everyone who was watching it live uh, were blown away by it because you've also got some funky picture evidence to go along with it. So I'll include that in the show notes. So if anyone's uh, interested in whatever this thing may be, it is freaky looking. So go check it out. But uh, Karen, tell us where all this started for you. Okay, so it's quite a few years ago. It was in the early 1990s and I was right into my ex-husband and myself were right into four-wheel driving and camping and we found a lovely spot out the back of La Cola called Glen Carn and we would go up there constantly. Um, always up there. It was close to where we lived. It was easy to get to. Nice, not, lovely spot. Anyway, we turned up one day and it was long weekend. I think it was Australia Day long weekend. Weather was fantastic. And we'd left early to make sure we'd got this particular spot at the end of the track. And the track has a small river on one side of it, but we had it's had cliffs, cliff faces, quite um, hills all around us. So we were sort of in in a bit of a valley. And there was sort of, at the time, it was only one way in. 
since the, since I've been back, they've actually opened up the other end. But when we were there, there was only one way into this area. We had another campsite probably 500 metres away from us. Um, and where we were, oh, it was lovely. We'll, we got there probably 10 o'clock, set up camp, uh, had an early lunch. And we decided we'd actually hang around the campsite that day and maybe just walk around a little bit. And so we're just walking around and we actually found some loose cattle. And we sort of, oh, okay, took note of that. They weren't near the te- near the campsite, but we had some loose cattle moving around. And uh, when we got back to camp, uh, I grabbed my book and I found myself a nice sunny spot while the ex got his maps out and sort of, he said, oh, how about we try this track tomorrow and how about we head over here? And I'm just, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Then I noticed he was sort of, can you hear that? Can you can you see anything? Can you hear that? And I sort of stopped reading and sort of, I said, no, nah, that sounds like the cattle. Remember we saw the cattle earlier? And sort of, yeah, and I was happy. I went back to my book. I was having a lovely day in the sun, getting a tan, and he's there, no, nah, it's something damn well up there. And he was actually getting quite aggravated. And he's this was going starting to go on. It's probably about three o'clock in the afternoon now. And he's getting really pissed off. He's now got the binoculars out and he's walking around trying to look up the opposite side of the river the other side of the river. And he's got the binoculars out and he's going, There's something up there. And I said, well, what about that cattle? And he says, I don't believe the cattle are up there because that's too steep. And he was getting really annoyed. And I'm just sort of, I'm really casual. And I'm looking around. No, don't see anything. Don't see anything. But I could hear it. And the other interesting thing was I started to notice there's all this debris everywhere around the campsite because we walked up one of the tracks where you drove in, walked back that way. And I sort of, I don't remember any of this sort of stuff here. You know, normally it's a very clean campsite where it is. Anyway, just sort of brushed that off. And he's still looking up and I go back to my book and then I thought, oh, but let's get an early dinner because where we are in the valley, it gets dark early. So I started just preparing things like that. And we were hearing this rustling constantly in the trees, just the occasional thumps, bumps. And even one time, a couple of splashes in the river. Now, it was a little windy. So I'm just sort of thinking, oh, yeah, it's just the wind. But the other half was getting really annoyed. And it got to the point he actually yelled out, okay, guys, we've got it. You've spooked us. Come down and have a beer with us. And he's like that thinking it's possibly the campsite down the other end that they were playing a junk on us. No one come down, of course. And anyway, this is sort of how it is. He packed all this stuff up, stuff up that he was um, planning the trip on. And we had dinner. And yeah, it was just now it was both sides of the campsite. We had it over the other side of the river, just noises like some animal was moving around. And I'm just putting it to cattle and he's going, that cliff's face is too steep for cattle. And we're hearing it the other side of the campsite now. 
and we've got noises and sort of, there was a lot of thumps and it's still windy. So we're sort of start, hubby's sort of, oh, maybe it is branches, but it's a damn lot of branches. Anyway, we had dinner, got it all organised, cleaned up, and now it's just starting to go sort of the, the twilight. And I stepped into the tent to uh, get myself a jumper, and there's this thump on the tent. And my husband just got there, get out now. And I could tell by the tone of his voice, something's something's wrong. So I just grab and jump and I'm straight out. And he goes, that is what landed on the tent. And I look down and here's this rock. Um, it was bigger than a sort of a softball, but not as big as a basketball. And it landed on the tent. And it was right, it went straight past him. Um, onto the tent. I don't know. As he said, he felt it. He remembers feeling sort of the the rush as it went past. And any, anything higher, you know, it could have hit his head or anything like that. But we never thought of that at the time. We're just trying to work out what on earth is this rock. Next thing, there's another rock, similar size. Didn't hit the tent, just behind him it landed. And we said, sort of, what on earth is going on? And he, I think he yelled out again, you know, this is ridiculous. What's going on? Anyway, we went to the car, made sure we all had our torches and things like that. And he's going, no, you, you stay here. He jumped in the car because we had the all the spotlights all at the front of the vehicle. So he turns on the spotlights and he's shuffling the car backwards and forwards trying to light up the side of the hill, couldn't see anything, nothing at all. And he's doing this, and he's revving the diesel, you know, to try and get it backwards and forwards. And I'm hearing rocks behind me or something thumping a lot closer. So I start waving him down and said, you know, pointing behind me. So he sort of gets out of the car and sort of, yeah, they're definitely closer. These noises are definitely closer. And we can't see anything. We've got our torches and we're not seeing anything. Look around a bit more to find there's a lot of rocks around the place where earlier in the day we'd found basic sort of tree debris. But now we're sort of realising because we've we've had the rock hit the tent. It's just gone, gone past the X. We're, we're actually noticing, gee, these are all rocks. Where have they all come from? And this is where I'm starting to, ah, oh, okay, now I'm getting a little scared, trying to understand what's going on. Well, earlier in the day, I was fine. But my partner, you know, the ex, during the day, he was quite um, frustrated and he was quite angry as what what was going on. Anyway, we realised then that probably about 500 metres away from us, there was another campsite that we passed and they had young kids and we decided, no, something's going on here. Let's just, we'll go talk to them. We'd seen them earlier fishing, and that's why we knew they were there, and said, let's let's just go talk to them. This is a bit of a concern. Let's see if they've had any rocks or something like this. So we go up to this other campsite, and we drove up there, and he thought we were off our face, either drunk or on drugs, and he's sort of, <laughs> we're trying to explain, look, this is actually happening. 
you know, we've had rocks thrown at us and we're just concerned about yourself and the kids. Anyway, he started yelling at us, so we just sort of left. Went back to our campsite. And that's when, you know, my, my hubby's made sure we had all, every spotlight on the, on the four-wheel drive. He was an auto-elect and right into all, having every spotlight, light, flashing things, whatever was on that, you could get on a four-wheel drive, he had. And we're coming back to the track and I'm sort of, oh, did you leave the chairs like that? And he said, no, they were upright. Anyway, we pulled up to notice that um, both the chairs had been not totally thrown, but they'd been moved. And sort of there was a bit of a scuff mark when you looked with the torch. And the pot next to the barbecue was tipped over, next to the fireplace was tipped over. And then when I turned around with the tent to look at the to- uh, sorry, with the torch to look at the tent, I realised my God, the zips, the whole front of the tent's been ripped open. The zip had been ripped open, not open, zipped up. It was pulled apart. And there was dirt. Dirt had been thrown in the tent. Well, that's what I assumed at the time. And over the tent. And this is where we got this really strong smell. This was the first smell that we got. And oh, it, it was a bit of a dry reach. Everyone talks about um, rotting flesh or something like that. This was the first smell was like a, um, a, a a dog piss, like a dog had marked its scent or something like that. It was a really strong ammonia smell. And we're just sort of, what the hell's going on here? So we're looking around and I'm starting to get more and more nervous and then both of us looked at each other and I just said, the hairs have just gone gone up on the back of my neck. And he said, yeah, the same. Same with my arms, everything. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it again. And that's when the fear truly kicked in for me. I, the goose, I got the goosebumps, the hairs on the back of my neck, and I actually had to stop myself. I'm, I'm focusing on my breathing because I was getting nausea. I thought I was going to actually throw up. That's how scared I was becoming. And um, that's when we're sort of looking around and sort of, I'm not staying here. You know, so he said, okay, let's get everything in the car. I'll just turn it around. And I said, don't leave me out here. So we go both get in the car, turn it around. So we could just open it up. We shoved everything in. We got back out of the car and I just, I knew I was, something was looking at me. And I was, beside, I had the four-wheel drive on my left and to my right was the little track that went down to the river. And that's when I'm telling myself, don't look, don't look, don't look. But I looked. (laughs) I can laugh about it now, but I wish I hadn't looked. And just for that very split moment, there was a silhouette of something. And it was huge. And just for that... (laughs) I remember afterwards when we were driving out, I'm thinking, did I actually see that? Did I actually, I think I even saw eyes, but it was that fast. I don't know. And then I'm just sort of, now, what, what's going on here? What, what was that? And the brain's sort of trying to work out and I'm starting to feel sick again. Anyway. We're just trying, doing our best. We just grabbed the tent, shoved it in the back of the Forby. We're just grabbing whatever we could see and we're just shoving it in the back of the four-wheel drive. 
then we're hearing more noises and then there's another smell and it was um because my, my ex was a uh, auto electric, so we both recognised the smell. It was um, bakelite, burning bakelite, like soldering iron. And he's sort of, what is going on here? And he says, can you smell that? I, I said, I can. Isn't that your soldering? And he's going, this is not possible. You know, and, and sort of, how, how can we have this here in a campsite? And this is, it was such a high strangeness. And we've still got the fear and we've put it down to our, our adrenaline's just that high. We're scared. And so we're sort of trying to explain to each other, no, it's just our imagination. This is happening. This is happening. Anyway, we got the, got everything in the, in the four wheel drive. And I remember saying to him, I'm not doing my normal emu bob around to see what's left over. And anyway, we jumped in the car and I said to him, I I think I saw something down that track. And he goes, well, I'll turn around one more time because it was a little bit of a turning circle. And that's when, that's when um, he, he backed the car up to look on the steeper side over the other side of the river and just all the spotlights are on, but just out of the main brightness above the spotlights, you could still see, but it wasn't it was nowhere near as bright. It's like the top of the headlights when you're driving in the car. So it's sort of a, a half light. He's going, what's that? And I couldn't see it at first. He goes, I don't remember that, that tree there. And I'm sort of, oh, we're both looking at it and... Then I realised, that's moving. And he's going, it is moving. And then it, whatever it was, opened its eyes or it turned around and that's when we saw eyes. They were big eyes and they were white. And I, th- I think they were changing colours because it was moving its head. You know, I've thought about it over the years. Why was it change- changing colours? Because I saw white light. Now, they were lighter, sorry, they were brighter than what the light of the spotlights he was in because they were above the main beam of the spotlight. So it couldn't have been reflection from the spotlight. And this thing, it it's like it opened its eyes and then it blinked. And I, I assume it was turning its head. You know, I've tried over the years trying to remember exactly what it did. It, it was massive. It, it, absolutely massive and it was I would have to say from us it was probably 50 to 60 feet away from where the car was and I'd have to say across its across the chest was probably about three foot I'm talking old old school measurements but that's the best way I can describe it but I can't I didn't see any other features because it was it was just a mass of black and, um, yeah, that's probably it. And we just, no, we're not staying here. And we just, we tailed it out there. We stopped very quickly at the other camp and said, there's, there's something down there. We're going, you know, we advise you to go. Whether they did or not, I don't know to this day. But we just flew out of there and we're trying to work out what, what was this? What, what did we see? What, what was happening? And 
you know, we got home and we just left everything and we, we couldn't sleep that night. And the next day, we, you know, we're trying to rationally work out what's going on. And the weirdest thing, as my partner kept saying, is the Bakelite. I don't understand why we could smell Bakelite. And, yeah, but the next day, in the daylight, pulled all the camping gear out and it was like, I wish I had taken photos, I never did, but we realised that looked like fingers and a greasy bit of a palm. There was three distinct, as he said, finger marks, but it was the grease, like the oil that you get on your skin sometimes. And it was definitely when you pulled the tent, sort of stretched out the canvas, you could see it, how it was possibly a hand. Maybe I was using my imagination. And that was the bit there that's, you know, that, that freaked me out and sort of, you know, that was definitely a hand of some sort. Um, years later, I had the opportunity of um, becoming friends with an Aboriginal elder in Mildura. And I said to him one time, you know, we were camping and we had all these rocks and he just sort of hairy men straight away. Wow. told me hairy men. And <laughs> I'm getting the goosebumps still today. And he, he said there wouldn't have been just one. And as, as over the years I've thought about it, there was definitely two. There was possibly three. They, but, oh, but at the same time, they move so fast. You hear these reports that they can move so fast. You know, maybe they were moving around the camp. I don't know, but I believe there was two of them there. But that's just my opinion over the years. But the Aboriginal um, elder, he said we were very lucky. He said we did the right thing by leaving because he said you. he believes we probably would have been one of those um, missing people. Yeah. He said they might – this was the interesting thing he actually said to me is um, – they would have definitely taken me, being the female. They may not have. Um, they may not have taken my husband, or they may have killed my husband and still taken me alive, which I found quite interesting. That's mm. terrifying to think of, isn't it? Yeah. Afterwards, yeah, yeah. So that's um, my encounter. That's a terrifying encounter. I have no words for it because I have so many goosebumps over me. When you're telling that, that is just pure terror. It took me 25, no, about 23 years, 23, 25 years to go back to that campsite. So, and it had changed a lot. And, um, you know, my family went with me and sort of, let's just stay one night. I go, yeah. <laughs> we made sure we had a big fire going all night. <laughs> <laughs> um it is a beautiful spot, but I'll tell you what, going back there, and it, it, as I said, it took me 23 or 25 years to go back. It brought it all straight back. We didn't camp at the exact same spot. When we got there, there was somebody else there, and they'd actually, beyond that, they'd opened up and created a new road. And, yeah, we found another spot, but I'll tell you what, I didn't sleep a wink that night. <laughs> I can assure you. I, I did don't not blame sleep you. A week. I'm surprised mm. you even went back with a with all your family. I I'd take an army with me if that was <laughs> if that was me. <laughs> no, it was sort of 
I got myself to the point where I'd realised what it was and I, I had to write it all down, what I could remember. And over the years, I've remembered a little bit more and added and things. Yeah. And then I got to the point where I actually sold the four-wheel drive for a while. <laughs> well, I actually went for a few years where I didn't want a four-wheel drive for that reason. Just didn't want to go out bush at all. I, I didn't want to be able to go into the bush that deep. That's fair. That's fair. I hear yeah. stories of highly experienced hunters who do this for their essential living and they just don't go back out to the bush. It just destroys their livelihood. And now a quick word from our sponsor. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. No, I understand completely. I've since some um, in the last five years, I've brought another four-wheel drive and I'm starting to venture out, but I am very careful as to where I go. Um, I make sure if I'm going deep into the bush, it's a day trip and I'll leave really early because I'm not staying there. I won't stay deep in the bush overnight. Um, yeah, but I'm starting to, because I love camping. I love all these things, but I limit myself where I go now. Yeah. I do limit myself. It really does change everything for you when you have an encounter like this and it would, it would just plain up suck to have the thing you love the most taken off you because mm. of an encounter like that. Yeah. I haven't let it ruin my life. As I said, I still go camping, but it's taken me a long time to do the bush camping again. But as I said, it is still very limited as to where I go. Back in the early early 90s when this happened, what was the the Yowie scene like? Like, did you even know what a Yowie was? No, no. I had seen, I've always been fascinated with any sort of cryptid. Um, I knew about, I knew something existed, but I didn't think it existed in Australia. That was my thing. Because I'd always seen all the documentaries where Paddy's, you know, the Giblin um, film. So I knew it was over there. I never realised it was Australia. Never even thought that we would have something like that. So what was going through your mind when all of this was going on, were you thinking that this was something something not normal? It was really hard. Um, myself, I'm a medium, I'm a working medium, and I have seen some weird creatures in different dimensions. And I do remember we talked about it when we were driving out, the, out on there. Was that something out from another dimension? But I do believe they're a physical creature. Yeah, we just couldn't work it out. It took us probably a few months because no one, we were too scared to tell people what was going on. 
So I think I told my father and that was it. And my father, he got there and sort of, mm. I told him the story and he says, yeah, he could tell when we were t- talking to him that we experienced something. And he had no idea because he lived in the bush all of his life as well. He was from the Darlesford area and he grew up in the bush. And he's sort of, I've never heard of anything like this. Wow. And it was sort of, so we never told anyone, but I'm fascinated. But then somebody else, I heard somebody else talking about something one day. And sort of, that story sounds familiar. So I just sort of <laughs> wandered over and started ears dropping in on this conversation. And I eventually said to this guy, can you please tell me more? Because I've been camping and um, had rocks thrown at me. And he mentioned at the time um, the Yowie. And I sort of, oh, okay. And just sort of acknowledged his story. I didn't tell him much about my experience. So I started trying to find as much as I could. And, of course, that's when I found um, uh, the AYR website and started reading all of these stories and things like that. Yeah. But it was some, it's been a long time before I told the story and to write it down. But I feel as though after listening to your podcast, it's important to tell the story. Um, Listening to other people's experiences, it's actually helped me to deal with my experience. Yeah. And it's helped me to heal. And it's the whole reason I do this show is to help people share stories and you know, get it off their chest to potentially help the next person who may be experiencing that right now or have has experienced it in the past to let them know that, hey, I'm not alone. This yeah. this stuff happens to, to people and it happens more regularly than people like to think it does. Yes, and a lot closer to town too. Um, just briefly, we went to a, another campsite. It was on Christmas Day. Um, to Bryagulong in Victoria. And it's not far from town. And we were trying to find a camping site and we stopped. And my son was in the back seat behind me and he goes, Mum, is that a yowie? <laughs> and here it was. I just turned around just to see it walking into the bush. Oh, you're but joking. He, actually, he saw it standing just at the edge of the track next to a power pole. Looking down at us. Wow. But by the time he said, as he said, he just looked up, Mum, is that a yowie? And as soon as he saw it, it started walking into the bush. And I just saw the back of it and all the bush moving as he, as it walked off. And we weren't, we were 10 minutes from a town. Doesn't, 10 minutes drive. It doesn't surprise me because there's reports of these things getting so close to, to, to city limits these days. It's, the, yeah. the Yowie's a lot closer than I think a lot of people really would like to admit. Yeah, well, that photo that you're um, going to link to this, it was taken in Nyora, Victoria, which is dairy farmland. Now, I was living down there for a while, and I'd only just got that phone, and I'm sitting at the kids' bus stop, and I'm a medium, and I got... Um, take some photos and then all of a sudden these red orbs went front of, in front of the windscreen because I'm waiting in the bus stop to, for the kids to get up back from school these three red orbs just ran oh ran flew straight past the windscreen into the paddock on my left 
So straight away, I'd already been given the warning, take some photos. And I'm just going snap, 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 snap. I think I'd had the phone, this new Samsung phone about three days. And I'm just taking all these photos. And I never thought anything of it. The school bus turned up. And I was going through the photos afterwards. And a little voice in my head said, expand it out. Expand them out and look at them or put them on the big screen. And I'm doing that. And that's when I found the photo that I sent you. You could you could see a little white dot on the standard photo, but once you actually enlarged it, then you actually saw it. Talk to me about mm-hmm. this photo because it is very, very unique. It's very interesting. And there definitely seems to be something there. Yeah. What do you think it is? Um... Karen, Karen is a person. I've got no idea. <laughs> Karen as the medium, and I can see some sort of head. Absolutely, um, I agree. And the light I have seen before, I believe it's possibly opening a portal. It's just a theory, just a theory. I but think it's, it's some a cool sort theory. Of, yeah, it's some sort of. What can make that bright light? We're out in the middle of a cow paddock. There's no reflections in a cow paddock that could create a reflection like that. And, like, you can see the head. You can see the something really bright. There's also, next to the photo, uh, next to the main being that's there, you can also see another dark silhouette of something. And it's interesting, after I found that photo, oh, the next day I'm down in that paddock. <laughs> And it was interesting, the bushes behind it were all twisted, all twisted. Like something went through there. Yeah. And some of them were broken, like you you see the, um, they all say, it was probably about seven foot tall up in the air, it was broken. And it was interesting because I thought, hmm, is this a marker of some sort? So I go looking around and... I found another tree, probably about another 100 metres from there, on one of the um, fence lines of the pasture. Here's another tree. in Because it was all paddocks, and in amongst each um, paddock was rows of trees. And in amongst those trees, I found another marker pointing in the same direction as the first one. And it was probably about seven foot, six foot up in the air. And I'm thinking, I don't think I want to go any further. <laughs> With everything that I'd read and everything, I'm thinking, oh, no, no, this is enough for me. I found two. I'm out of here. I was about to say, like, <laughs> you had to stop at some point, surely, because <laughs> yes. where does it stop? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I sort of saw the second one. I'm thinking, mm, I've seen this. I've read all about these. And, you know, this is heading, This was heading behind my house. And I'm so, uh, it was a matter of, um, I don't think I want to know about this. <laughs> that was it. I'm going. I'm going. I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah no, fair enough. I don't, I don't blame you because, yeah, that's, that's got some, some very odd, scary vibes going to it. And uh, sometimes ignorance is bliss when it comes to this type of thing. Yes. Yes. Now, the other interesting thing while I was living there is um, my son was roared at one time, very close to where that photo was taken. Him and his mate were doing, getting ready to go on a hike, so they were be doing all these, you know, practicing, getting their fitness up, going on these big walks. 
and near where that photo was taken, they were roared at. And one of the guys, he took off and left my son there. <laughs> my son's, my son's sort of, <laughs> but he took off as well. When they got back to the house, um, the first guy, uh, the first guy, my son's mate, he just threw up everywhere. He was thrown up. He says, I was, he goes, when I heard that roar, it was hurting my chest. Wow. And he said, I had to force myself to turn and run. He he, he said he, he froze for a second. My, my son didn't think he did because he took off that fast. But he said, I really had to force myself. And when he got back to the house, he was just vomiting. And I thought, hmm, that's of interest because <laughs> I always wanted to vomit the night when um, this thing was close to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder if you you both got hit by infrasound because yeah, that can have possibly. some severe effects on 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 people when they when they mm. kind of I will I'll say get buzzed by it, but I know that's not the the technical term and I, I know there's a whole bunch of listeners out there who are probably screaming at me saying that's not how infrasound works, but <laughs> it's how I understand it. So that's how it works for me. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that hundred percent, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's scary because there's only two creatures in Australia that's ever going to roar at you. And one's a, one's a yowie, which is terrifying. <laughs> and the other's a big black cat or a cougar mm-hmm. or a leopard or, or a panther, depending on where you are. <laughs> you know, they all have different names, but uh, that also is just as terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Is, and the other thing that um, was happening to me at Nyora is um, – at the house one night, because I used to work an afternoon shift, so I'd get home about midnight. And there was one night, pulled into the into the carport, and I'm having, I'm hearing something hit the side of the carport. I'm thinking, what's going on here? The side of the garage? What's going on here? And I'm thinking it's not windy. And my son come out, but both my sons come out. And I said, can you hear that? And he goes, I think it's driveway, little pebbles, like the, the stones that are on our driveway. I said, can't be. Anyway, that was happening. And we both, all of us walked out from the, the garage area. And sure enough, these little stones were hitting us all. So it's straight back in the house. Absolutely. The next, you would have been getting flashbacks of the camping trip for sure. <laughs> yeah. And the next morning... There was like a triangle stick behind my car with a, um, a uh, like a spearhead, an old spearhead stone in the middle of it. That's a gift. So, yeah, they gave me a gift. Wow. I've, I've still got that. It's very precious to me. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, isn't that of interest? That's so incredible. It um, it seemed like you've got some weird activity going on around your house. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I, I often um, joke about it now that I think I'm a bit of a magnet to it. And my oldest son, he's the same. He does a lot of hiking and camping and he's had a few experiences as well. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, it doesn't surprise me because like with you being a medium and you having encounters with 
things already on the, in, on that side of the the paradigm, your mind is already mm-hmm. so much more open than than the general public. So, yep. I honestly feel like when you open up a, a door to that kind of world, it's always just going to keep coming to you. Yeah, you can't close it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, can't close it. So I have to ask you, this thing, the, the first Yowie that you saw, the thing that's, I know people are going to jump all over me if I don't ask this question, but <laughs> it sounds like the eyes were glowing. Yeah, I believe so. Because, you know, when you've got your headlights on and as the ma- above the main bright beam, because it, was, it didn't have the headlights directly on it, it was the top part of the fading out light beam is where this blob was. And it was definitely, yeah, it, um, yeah, it was brighter than the light that was around it. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. It absolutely does. And uh, it paints a terrifying picture in my mind to think that there's something that big out there with eyes that glow in the dark that can do anything it wants to. It, it showed you that with what it did to your campsite. Um, it was definitely trying to get you out of the area with the rocks that it was throwing. And mm. it's thank goodness that Yowies must have impeccable aim when they, when they're throwing, because if a rock of that size hit you or your ex-husband, that really would have done some serious damage. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But, you know, and I, I think back also, I was really chilling out. I was enjoying my, my Saturday. I was reading a book. I was, you know, sitting out in the armchair. I was relaxing. He was really anxious. And he was getting angrier and angrier all afternoon. And then that anger, and I've often heard about it now. I often read about it or you hear it on other podcasts as well of people, how they're all experiencing different emotions. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and that was weird, one of it as well. Yeah. It, it's just one of the weirdest things. And I think that, you know, it just kind of goes for most unusual encounters is that people just handle them so differently. And especially afterwards, because I don't know how your ex-husband really handled this whole situation afterwards, but if it was anything like you, it, it sounded like it took a pretty heavy toll. Yeah, it did. It did. We had trouble sleeping. We were just trying to understand what was it. You know, and we didn't, didn't want to tell anyone, you know, uh, because at that stage, you've got to think back in the 90s. Um, both of us were medi- uh, mediums and not many people wanted to know about mediumship. So we were already in the in the coop class, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. So, you know, we can't get there and sort of, oh, we've had this experience. What, you're seeing ghosts and you're having things, Chasia? Yeah, come on. You know, that's the sort of thing. 100% it would have been, oh, yeah, Karen and the and her husband are up to the usual antics again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, where now we can talk about it, it's a lot more accepted. And, um, yeah, the healing starts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, well, Karen, I want to thank you for coming on the show to to share your encounters and let me share them with the world because I think those encounters, they're pretty powerful and they genuinely sound so incredibly terrifying. 
I could hear it in your voice. It was giving me goosebumps the entire time you were retelling it. <laughs> yeah, I got the goosebumps again. <laughs> and I, I just really couldn't imagine going through an encounter like that to feel so so powerless. And uh, then to see potentially two of these creatures within seconds of each other would have just, it, it would have been a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I'll never forget those eyes. I'll never forget the eyes. It's like the first time, I still question my mind, was it my imagination or did I see something? But when the car was packed up, you could see this mass moving and then it just, it opened its eyes and that just, I'm sure the both of us screamed. I'm sure both of us screamed in the car. It was just, yeah, that was, that was sort of the reality that, you know, there is something there. That was the thing, because we could see this black mess and then the eyes opened or it turned its head. I think it was turning its head because it went white, orange, red, the eyes. Wow. Yeah. And the scary thing about that is is it's acknowledging you. It's looking directly mm. at you. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just hope it helps someone. You know, it's taken me a long time, but I'm healing. And... um yeah, I still get scared, but I can deal with it now. And I hope my story help has helped somebody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.